one rolled footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And my guest today is the co-founder of the Five Geyers Institute, studying the global impact of plastic waste. Most recently, he co-founded Leap Lab, a science center in Southern California. We are going to talk, how can we get rid of plastics? What's our responsibility as corporate leaders? And uh, what are alternatives for us and for the planet? Welcome, everybody. Marcus Eriksson. Thanks, Simon. Good to be here. Excited to be here. What are you currently creating? Well, you know, I'm working with a, a lot of colleagues. You know, 20 years of studying plastic pollution. It's now coming to, to a head. The United Nations is, is discussing right now this month a global treaty on, on plastic, plastic pollution worldwide. It's exciting, you know, 20 years again of doing the science work and seeing, you know, plastic bag bands and straw bands around the world. Now it's a global conversation. So I'm an advisor to, um, uh, to the UN treaty uh, among maybe two or three dozen other scientists. It's a pretty exciting time right now. Great that you do this. I remember being a kid, we, I, I grew up near the beach and so I was immediately seeing what happens when there is plastic in the water, the dolphins die. So uh, immediately I was like, okay, this plastic is stupid. And I was like, why doesn't everybody see this? And now 40 years later, we still have plastic around. What's wrong with us? You know, I think um, because of the efficiency of plastics, um, how they help companies to transport goods. They're much, much lighter. You know, if you think 40 years ago when you were a kid on the Mediterranean coast, companies that were beginning to use plastics, it was lightweight. You can make it any color you want. You can package your goods and give it a very long shelf life. So in terms of, you know, moving uh, goods from, uh, from your company to your customer, it was very efficient, much improved over glass, very heavy, can break over metals that are expensive, um, and also the carbon footprint is kind of high. So plastics won. But the ecological effect, like you just said, you observed as a kid the, the, the plastic trash on the beach. Now, with our organization, I've traveled around the world, equivalent sailing to about twice around the planet, over 100,000 nautical miles studying ocean plastics. It's everywhere. So I think after 40, 50 years, since, the, since after World War II, the use of plastics um, in our companies worldwide, now we're seeing the effects at a global scale. So I, I think companies are finding it hard to divorce from plastic packaging because of those efficiencies and having to reconcile, okay, we're causing harm. How do you bridge those two, not cause harm, have the efficiencies of moving goods? And that's the challenge today. You are researching this field with your team in, uh, at the Science Center in Southern California. What are alternatives you are looking into? Well, what I find most interesting, you know, for years it was, let's get rid of plastic bags. Let's get rid of straws and cups and bottles and bottle caps, banning those products. And to some degree, that is, that is appropriate. Some things like the plastic bag, they don't need to be here. Um, and, and actually... <laughs> Three years ago, I was in Dubai 
and I found thousands of plastic bags inside the stomachs of camels. So there's some products that really need to leave civilization. But then what I'm really excited about is that there are a lot of young entrepreneurs, innovators, that are finding different business models that work. And I can tell you many of the, the NGOs around the world that have worked on this issue and scientists are embracing the, the reuse economy uh, or, or the business models where you where the packaging never stays in the hands of the consumer to have to manage. The packaging, it's reusable, it flows through the consumer and comes back to the, the company who made the product. Those kinds of business models, they're, they're working. And what inspires me now, 20 years later, having seen how trash our planet is, is these entrepreneurs, these new business models that are taking waste out of the equation is extremely inspiring. So it's the reuse economy where I would, I really invest my time and, and effort in supporting. For people who might not know it, uh, share with us the, the whole cycle of a such a cradle-to-cradle -cradle or end-to-end -end reusage. And then later on, let's explore why didn't we implement it uh, already? But first, what is such a, such a loop? Yes, so, so the idea of cradle-to-cradle, -cradle, in fact, uh, the, the author of that book, Bill McDonough, who, uh, who wrote the book Cradle to Cradle, his philosophy, and, and the philosophy now of most people is this, the circular economy, the cradle to cradle, that you make something and it comes back to uh, an efficient system that can get those materials and reuse them in society. So there is no waste. We don't want landfills to be in existence 50, 50 years from now. Those need to become obsolete. So the cradle to cradle philosophy is you make a product and Either the material is in a biological cycle that it, it can degrade, like paper, like a tissue you might use to, to, to blow your nose. Those things are benign in the environment. They can degrade if they're lost. On the technical side, that there are systems to recover those materials and that the, the product is designed to be dismantled and taken apart. For example, there's one company makes a chair, um, an office chair. You can take it apart easily in your office and replace a wheel or the screw, or the back of the chair, or the, or the textiles that make the cushion. It, they designed it to be repairable. So it's creating those systems of repair, reuse, recovery, and remanufacture. That's part of the circular economy, the cradle-to-cradle -cradle philosophy. But unfortunately, for many, many products, we are not there. Many products, many companies went down the route of planned obsolescence, that you make a product, once you sell it, you wash your hands of responsibility for the materials. And that, that alternative philosophy is what's caused trash to be abundant. Almost every country I've visited has a, a trash problem. So it's either circular economy, cradle to cradle, versus the planned obsolescence. And that's the crossroads that I see companies are in right now. I want to know who you nominate for the strategy award when everybody's doing A, they're doing B, and they're doing the right thing in this context, ideally. But first, one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprints.com tools. Is there anybody who is doing the right thing? And, and look, hey, we are in sync. We, we are in the Mediterranean water right now and it's clean. Hurrah. Is there anybody who is doing the right thing from your perspective in this field you want to nominate? 
You know, if I had to think of one individual, I would think of, um, I have a colleague, Matt Prindeville, from an organization called Upstream, which is really bridging the, um, uh, the gap between the young innovators with the new business models for the circular economy, for Cradle to Cradle, and helping them to get uh, another traction and attention. So he's, Matt Prindeville is a connector. He connects these young companies to investors and gives them a lot of uh, attention on his on his website through his programs to say, look, here are the the circular economic, the cradle to cradle businesses that are working. So Matt Prindeville is one from he's he runs the organization upstream. And if I had to to nominate others, I just I'm in the middle right now of uh, of um, of being a judge for a contest. It's a, it's a $1.2 million prize, the Tom Ford prize to find an innovator in thin film plastic, plastic packaging, like the thin films that cover a candy bar, a potato chip bag, or that cover a bowl of food you want to preserve. You put a thin film of plastic over it. This prize for innovation, there are 40, uh, like 48 companies have applied the, the innovation in science and the business models for how to deliver this thin film. It's amazing. So I, I, again, I'm so inspired by the young entrepreneurs that are saying, okay, the environment, uh, social justice, environmental ha has to be part of the equation when you create your business plan. And that's where I think the, um, the, it gives me, inspires me. And it gives me hope that, you know, we can fix this plastic problem as we eliminate planned obsolescence and go to the cradle to cradle model. Beautiful. And, and when you do this uh, world improving things, I guess from time to time you need inspiration yourself. Where do you take inspiration from? Are there specific books or podcasts that inspire you? Um, podcasts. I listen to the uh, Lex Friedman podcast. It's, it's more about philosophy, artificial intelligence, and uh, bioengineering. Um, so Lex Friedman podcasts, I listen to almost almost every day, but I can tell you that there are a lot of um, um, a lot of other other books that have inspired me um, as a young scientist looking at E.O. Wilson, biophilia, the relationship we have to nature. And I you know the last few years I've really been working with companies and other CEOs to say, what is your philosophy? And what I learned from E.O. Wilson and, and the relationship to nature is that if you're a company, you're a corporation and you're not relating your business practices to the health of the planet. You know, today you've got 8 billion customers. If you are making a product that does not fit in a cradle to cradle philosophy, you are creating mountains of waste. Who's going to manage that? Who bears the cost? So I think, you know, as I think about relating to, to CEOs and giving advice and, and, and when they think personally about, do they want to have disruption to their business because they're producing a lot of waste and ecological catastrophe? Those are very disruptive things to happen. You can avoid that by shifting your philosophy to understand and embrace your relationship to, to the environment, to nature, to other people, to communities. And that just builds very strong relationships. You know, as your customers relate to you and not just your product, they stick with you for, for decades sometimes. And that's the kind of conversations I'm having with uh, many business leaders. That's really inspiring at this point for me. What do you see in these conversations? What, what is the biggest obstacle of business leaders? Because, of course, they want to have less cost and they want to 
I, I guess they prefer everybody every CEO prefers doing good over not being good. What's the hard thing about it? I think the hardest thing is is trying to pass the the good legislative policies uh, to change the rules so that everyone is following the same rules to find those good rules that bring in cradle to cradle uh, business practices. You know, for many companies, especially very, very big uh, uh, consumer packaging companies and some of the petrochemical producers, they've been doing this for a long time. And, and their business model is really centered around making a product, having it, having, having it deliver those goods, the packaging of the product to a consumer. And then there are other systems that manage the waste. Your local city's landfill, waste management, your incinerator. <laughs> And those kinds of businesses, those kinds of business ideas, they're not going to last for a long time. So I think the challenge is, okay, what is the, the smarter way, the cradle to cradle, the circular economic model for our business? And can we pass legislation or some kind of policy that we can all agree upon that levels the playing field so we're all operating by the same rules? That's a challenge. And that's actually where we are now with the United Nations and this, uh, this global plastic pollution treaty that we are, we are engaged in. Actually, it, it, those discussions began this month. So it's pretty exciting. So that's where I think corporations can, can participate and, and can collectively agree on a cradle-to-cradle philosophy that we all um, uh, have to uh, apply by. I think that would be a game changer for corporations and for this issue. So that was responsibility for, from the CEO role. Now, every CEO is also a consumer and a citizen. What can we as a citizen do? Do we Can we just not buy those kind of products that are overly uh, plastic heavy? Or is there something that we can actively do to stop those things? You know, as, as always, a consumer votes with their, their wallet, uh, with what? what they purchase. So being an informed consumer always matters. But you know, I, I get that question often, you know, what can the consumer do? And it's hard to expect the, the individual to make a, a, a systemic change. So I often say as, as an individual, as a consumer, to, to get organized. There are lots of local organizations in almost every city around the world that, uh, that work together locally, for local policy to support local businesses to improve local waste management so i often tell people you know get involved locally in your community to see what are the are the better the best business practices that don't really cost your your government your local government increased costs of waste management increased costs for incinerators and and landfills burying trash is there a different way that we can organize collectively locally that's better for business, better for the community, better for the environment. I'm curious, how do you apply systems thinking to this problem? Um, I, I would think in the terms of the systems thinking that, that we're mostly engaged in is looking at you know, the full life cycle of the materials that flow through society. So if you are a company and at the very, very beginning you're thinking, okay, here's an innovative kind of packaging, does design or innovative materials, what is the full life cycle of that product and packaging? So I think the system thinking of what is, how does it flow through it and where does it go? So I think as far as systems thinking, it's working with 
with companies to really take ownership of that, that entire life cycle. Uh, for, for too long, for the last few decades, many companies have made a product, used the packaging, and then once it leaves their door, they wash their hands of the responsibility or having to know what happens next. It's up to your government. I think the systems thinking approach is to really understand what is the full life cycle of the materials that flow through your company. Where do they go? And how can you get them back? How can we look at them as a resource rather than waste? Does it begin with the design of your product? Can you take it apart completely and reuse every screw? Can you, can you separate the paper from the plastic from the metals from the glass to a point that it becomes cost effective to recover and reuse those materials? So that kind of systems thinking, full life cycle thinking is, 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 are the kind of conversations we're having with, uh, with many companies today. I'm curious if, if CEOs are listening right now and they go, oh, I want to explore more options, more ideas, uh, but I need help brainstorming ideas, seeing ideas. Should they, should they call you uh, or are there any resources you can point to where they can find uh, inspiration, examples for their, for their work? What I find, you know, anytime I engage with a, a, a CEO or a business, it doesn't take long to search, you know, online uh, for companies or, or resources in their region that might be experts on novel packaging or have, have novel materials. Maybe they can replace plastic with, for example, a seaweed-based thin film. There are a few companies that, 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 that are using alternative materials. So I think it's, it's, it's not hard to find the folks that are doing design and materials uh, science that can replace what you're currently using. I find lots of universities have these design labs. Um, uh, but as far as a general resource, you know, going back to the one person, the strategy award you asked, Matt Prindeville at Upstream, they work with a lot of companies to say, okay, here are some alternatives that you might want to use. Here are a dozen other companies that are doing something similar to you, packaging same kind of product. Here's the other business model they're employing. Here's the different kind of materials that are in their packaging and products. So I would connect with Upstream, but then also there are so many local design labs, especially at universities, that can help you to change the materials, the packaging design, to make your business closer to cradle cradle than the planned obsolescence model. Cool. And any books that you would recommend on, on this topic? On this topic specifically, um, there are I've seen a few design manuals. There's one out of the, out of the, the UK, I'm, I'm blanking on their name. They're a design lab. Um, for me, there's a great book by, by Ray Anderson. Um, he owned a company that made uh, carpeting. And in his book, um, I'm trying to think of it. Oh, it's Confessions of a Radical Industrialist, Ray Anderson. So his company was making carpets. And you know your typical big giant roll of carpeting there's lots of chemicals in there. Uh, there's PET, there's colorants, there's flame retardants. And what he saw was tremendous waste in the manufacturing of carpeting. But then once the carpeting is used in your office, because people have been walking on it for, for 10 years, you replace the whole room, all that waste. So he, as an innovator said, how do I change the system, embrace the whole life cycle? So he took his company and said, we're going to make carpet squares. You know, 
maybe a half meter by half a meter, these squares. And so his company now sells these carpeting squares, not big giant rolls. And you can replace just the squares that are worn out. And he wants a relationship with his customers. Say, look, I'm, I'm not just selling you a piece of carpeting. I'm selling you 20 years, 30 years of relationship. And I will replace mm -hmm. the carpet squares. I'll change your colors. He's also changed the chemistry of his carpeting. So he's an example of someone, unfortunately he passed away, but his company still exists. And they're doing, they're a shining example of a systemic shift away from plant obsolescence to cradle to cradle. Um, and again, his name is Ray Anderson, Confessions of a Radical Industrialist. I Very inspiring. And it shows how, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. really good company. He shows how you can shift. Yes. And inspiring for, for most listeners right now, how you can shift from, hey, I'm the one who ships a, a, a something to you to, hey, I'm your partner in the, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm committing right now to solving a problem with you over the long term. And the, the solutions will be different and at different points. It's not about the thing, right? I love this. Yes. Yeah. And Marcos. Can I get share one more? Yeah. Uh, if I just share one more organization, uh, the yeah. Closed Loop Partners. Uh, to answer your question about who could a CEO go to, if you, if you, if you go to Closed Loop Partners, they work with a lot of uh, big companies, not, not small mom and pop companies, which they do as well, but many big companies to say, how do we shift to a cradle to cradle? So it's Closed Loop Partners, Upstream, um, and then uh, and that book from Ray Anderson, Confessions of a Radical Industrialist, are all really inspiring organizations and and ray anderson's book is is shows you a path to get there i love this uh marcos if people wanna find more about you where do you hang out uh the five gyres institute uh you mean hang out as an organization or like in coffee shops to get writing done <laughs> where, where they can find more about this topic and about you sure sure Yes, the Five Gyres Institute, the number five, G-Y-R-E-S, uh, fivegyres.org is our organization. And you can find me there you know, under the contact list. I'd be more than happy to work with any CEOs or connect them to people that can, that can help them on specific you know, questions or problems they might have in their packaging and products and their, if they want to shift their system. More than happy to, uh, to work with them. Uh, again, it's an inspiring time. The UN is debating a global treaty. I think now is, is, is really the time for us to make a big shift. Post-pandemic, what's the trajectory of civilization? And how can, how can corporations you know, avoid the disruptions that we see on the horizon by thinking differently, shifting away from planned obsolescence to cradle to cradle? Beautiful. And uh, Marcos Ericsson, everybody, thank you for being here, for sharing your journey, your wisdom with us. Marcos, who should be my next guest? You know, again, I think Matt Prindeville from Upstream Upstream Project, they, he is an innovator. He works with hundreds of, of companies to bring about the reuse business model. Matt Prindeville, he's a good, a good human being. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for being on the show. And please, Marcos, keep rolling, keep go doing good stuff. And everybody, keep rolling. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com.